send for the women. The women who will pray. The women who have talents, gifts, and resources. To do serious damage to demonic agendas. Send for the women. The women who will mourn. The women who haven't allowed bitterness and hate. To turn them into mere mannequins. The women who aren't so downtrodden. That they've forgotten how to feel. Send for the women who still have the ability to feel and cry. So they might wail against what the devil is doing. Send for the women who will weep and wail. The women who will mourn in sackcloth and ashes. Send for the women. The women who will wake up, everyone around them, calling out, the devil is destroying us. Death is on its way. Send for the women who will be God's warning shout to his people, his alarm system, his tornado signal, his air raid siren. The women who God will use to warn his people of the impending consequences of sin. Send for the women who have a God-given destiny to destroy the power of Satan over God's people by waking them up and calling them to a morning of repentance. Women who would teach their daughters to weep against sin and the assault of the devil. Send for the women. Women who have a destiny to open their mouth and cry against the evil that the devil has put upon God's people. Women who have ideas to be voiced, energy to be released, abilities to be exercised, power to be loosed, spiritual gifts to be expressed, prayers to be prayed. Send for the women who look toward the future. To what they can be, what they can do, what they can say, what they can pray, what they can possess that will bring glory to God. Defeat the devil and see a nation saved. Send for the women. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Hey guys, we're going to sit down and discuss what exactly is the sword of the spirit. We often think that it's so many things, and we're going to break it down for you today in the final chapter of Ancient Wisdom Unveiled, The Armor of God. Hey, join me. This is your host, Monica Hansen, on the Busy Believer Podcast. Let's get ready to dive into this. So, hope you got your pen and paper. And, of course, the sword of the spirit. Well, hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to the Busy Believer Podcast. Can you believe it? We are already ending this six-part series of Ancient Wisdom Unveiled, The Armor of God. Hey, I hope you have enjoyed it. I'm your host, Monica Hansen. We have done a five-week study, and we are ending it on the sixth week with the Sword of the Spirit. You know, I've done a pretty good deep dive on this, and I hope I do it justice. And just let me know in the comments what you guys think of this study? Did you pick up anything? I know I surely have. I totally understand the armor of God now. I totally understand why it is so important for us to wear this armor 24-7 until the day of the coming of the Lord Jesus. You know, I while I was doing this study, I found out and I found Charles Spurgeon and he had did this pretty awesome, awesome statement. And I want to share it to you. He did this April 19th, 1891, right? Check it out. He said, 
To be a Christian is to be a warrior. The soldier of Jesus Christ must not expect to find ease in this world. It is a battlefield. Neither must he reckon upon the friendship of the world, for that would be enmity against God. His occupation is war, and as he puts on piece by piece of the Penelope provided for him, he may wisely say to himself, This warns me of danger. This prepares me for warfare. This prophecies opposition. And I I read that a couple of times, and I was like, wow, he really understands the meaning of war. You know, and some of you may not know, if you're just joining me on this, man, dig into five weeks past of the armor of God, and hopefully it will bless you guys. But for those that do uh, not know me, I am a veteran at first. And so for me, studying the armor of God, I could really understand and go, yes, I get that. I get why that breastplate of righteousness has to be worn. I get why the helmet has to be worn. And the sword of the spirit and Charles Spurgeon, the way they came together was just like they knocked it out of the ballpark with this. And I have been to three different tours going to war and coming back is just like, oh my gosh, I made it back. You want to, the shows, those clips where you see soldiers kissing the asphalt. Yes, that was me, you know? So I totally, totally get the armor of God. Now I totally get while Charles Spurgeon was talking about and So I really want to get into this and explain what I've done as far as the studying that I have been doing these past few nights of the Sword of the Spirit. Now, there's a lot of studies out there, and all of them do the Sword of the Spirit justly. And I hope that I could be one that would go ahead and express the study of the Sword of the Spirit today in the Busy Believer podcast. And so to me, As I looked at this, the sword of the spirit, it often reminded me as a soldier carrying that M16 weapon. And I was like, wow, what does this mean to me? You know, this means life or death to me. I either have it and I either have a bunch of ammunition, rounds, bullets, whatever you want to call them. I have enough to be able to expel if I had to. And it's it's the same with the sword. I hope I have enough training to be able to use the sword given to me. You know, there was different lengths, different thickness, different sizes. And the sword of the spirit, this was no like spear where you can throw this thing and keep the enemy way out there or to keep however long a, a spear was you know, that, that space between you and the enemy. I mean, this was up front. I see the whites of the eye enemy combat with a sword. The Roman soldier had to rely on his skills and his training to be able to use the sword. He had to be able to know how to sharpen it, to take care of it. Because just like 
the present day soldiers, we have to be able to keep our weapon clean, to keep it oiled up, to not get it dirty, to be able to dry it off and uh, from getting wet and to be able to how to how to correct a malfunction. And as I looked at the sword of the spirit, I found out this, that the statement sword of the spirit is only found once in the entire scripture, which is Ephesians 6, 17. It is the final piece of armor that Paul tells the Ephesians to take up, you know, and as we put on the helmet and the breastplate and the belt of truth and and the shoes girded up with the gospel and, and we take up the shield, that final piece is actually taking up that weapon that will either be an offense or a defense to your life. It's not like the spear. It is not like any other weapon known to man. It is a weapon belonging to the Holy Spirit that comes with power so great that you have to be able to know how to wield it, how to be able to use it at just the right time, how to know when to go on the offense or when to go on the defense. A weapon like that, the believer needs all the training that he or she can muster throughout her lifetime. Because see, nobody gets it. Nobody is an expert in the sword of the spirit weapon like they are as a present day soldier to be able to fire as an expert with your M16 or or your M9 or any other weapon out there that the military uses to this day. See, they need that training just like the Roman soldiers did. You know, when we saw all of the different gauntlets and how they fought and you we saw the arena where they fought and they were constantly using the Israelites to sharpen their weapons to build they had that skill and so too we need to know how to sharpen our weapon and what is that exactly how do we sharpen the weapon well we sharpen it by studying the word of God and knowing the truth that it represents. Because the truth is the one that is sharper than anything imaginable. It divides the soul and the spirit, the joint and the moral. See, only then will it be an effective defense against the evil. But it, it can also be an offensive weapon that we use to demolish strongholds of every kind, even the lies, the father of all lies that we know. So let's check out 2 Corinthians chapter 10. And like I tell everybody that has listened to my podcasts, I always like to use the NIV for the purposes of this podcast. I don't endorse the NIV. I don't endorse one version over the other. I've actually have all the versions in my house. So for the purposes of the podcast, I like to use this. And whatever you use, you stick with that. Because if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Right? Amen? All right. 
All right, so 2 Corinthians 10, and we're going to go to uh, verse 4, guys, and it says, The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Verse 5, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And let's even go to verse 6. And we will be ready to punish every act of disobedience once your obedience is complete. See, I love this scripture because oftentimes we always go, oh, bring every thought captive into the obedience of Christ. And we forget or we don't quote the entire scripture that gives it more oomph, you know, that extra oomph in it, right? <laughs> you know, and it's taking up. We have to, well, let me go back. We have to demolish um, the argument. See, the sword of the spirit is there for us, but God also gives us the command and the action that we have to do. Hey, look, you have to demolish your arguments. You have to stop the arguments. And everything else that would set itself up against the knowledge of God. So no matter what comes at us, whether through its social media or interaction with people day to day, anything that would come up against us, we have to be able to have the tact to be able to go, I'm sorry. No, we are not going to discuss this. Or the word of God says this. End it. Thank you. Goodbye. <laughs> you know? And so we have to be able to do that and then take captive every thought as you as we walk away and we go, wow, was I right in that? Well, maybe it was this. Well, maybe he or she did have a point. No. Take every thought captive to make it obedient to Christ. That means going right away, going, nope, I'm not going to think this. Lord, I give it to you. And if it is not lining up with the word of God, the sword of the spirit, then guess what? Demolish it. Let the Lord take it and demolish it. And then what I like to use is the three R's that I was taught in Bible study. And the three R's is to reject it, replace it with the word of God, and then renounce anything that would come up against you. Rejoice in that. So yes, reject, replace, rejoice in it. And you have to continue. We can even add a fourth one to repeat the word of God, the sword of the spirit, because it is the one that demolishes all of that. So you can even use four R's right there, right? So God refers to his word as a sword in Hebrews uh, 4.12. And let's go to that one because that is often a favorite in the whole study about the sword of the spirit. And you probably already know it, but just for the sake, why am I in Hebrews 12? I don't know, Monica. All right. Hebrews 4.12. It says, 
for the word of God is alive and active. This is not just some book, guys. It is sharper than any double-edged sword. I mean, how many of you have seen? Of course you can't raise your hands and I can't see you. But let me know in the comments. How many of you guys have actually seen a double-edged sword that can penetrate even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow? It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. I mean, man, guys, it is sharper than any, any double-edged sword. So for those of you who have actually seen the swords, and I know there's people out there that are into collecting swords, samurai swords, you know, the Israelite swords. I've seen the websites as part of the study of having to look it up. And you're like, wow, there's a lot of people that do collect swords and military swords of different eras history just you're like wow there's a lot of collectors out there but now it is saying that the word of god that book in your hand it is sharper than any of those double-edged swords that you see online of all these people collecting them that is one sharp word of god and then it even goes further. It says, you know what? The word of God is sharper than any double-edged sword. And let me just go on and tell you some more. Let me go ahead and do some bragging rights right here. It says, it, it penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit. You know, and oftentimes it's like our soul is part of that outer man, but the spirit is the inner man to be able to divide that so that the word of God can get in there and speak to your inner man is powerful, sharp, and it knows how to cut through all of the crap, all of the lies, everything that you heard or everything that you believe or want to believe. And it gets straight to you, your inner man, and speaks to us. It knows the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. There is nothing, nothing that we can hide from God. He knows our thoughts. He knows, he, the word of God even says that he knew us before we were even born. He laid out our paths before our steps were even taken. I mean, how can you argue? How can you argue with the word of God? You know, in the word in Hebrews 4.12, it's described as living, active, sharper than any double-edged sword. And when you think about the Roman sword was commonly made in that manner. It was a double-edged sword. The fact that it had two edges made it easier to, to penetrate their enemy as well as to cut in every way possible. The idea that is that of uh, that piercing or or penetrating aspect is what they were going for. And the word of God reaches the heart, the very center of action, and lays open the motives and feelings of those it touches, that, that spirit man. 
some that spirit man is what we tend to guard so much. Nobody can get me there. I have all my walls surrounding it, guarded, closed up. And God says, no, I can touch that spot because I'm the one that created you. And so what is the purpose of the sword of the spirit? See, there are many purposes. I've come to find out there are many purposes within the offense and the defense of the sword. Such as it brings love and it brings joy and it heals our hearts. It encourages, it lifts us up. It brings boldness out when we are are in fear or when we have anxiety or we're troubled. We don't know what to do. There's so much that the word of God does for us in every aspect of our lives to, to name one or two would, would not do it any honor. It encourages the believer, but yet it will demolish every demonic spirit that sets itself up against us, meaning you and the Lord. See, it's to make us strong and able to withstand the evil onslaughts of Satan and every demonic thing that would come against us. So to show you what I mean, let's go to Psalms 119, the longest chapter in the word of God, right? All right, Psalms 119. And let us go to uh, verse 11. All right. It says here, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Verse 12. Praise be to you, Lord. Teach me your decrees. With my lips, I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. All right. Let's go through um, a couple of more verses here in this chapter. And let's go over to, and then we'll sum it up. Let's go over to verse 33, same chapter, but let's go over to verse 33. And we're going to go to uh, 40. It says, teach me, Lord, the way of your decrees that I may follow it to the end. Give me understanding so that I may keep your law and obey it with all my heart. Direct me in the path of your commands, for there I find delight. Turn my heart toward your statues and not toward selfish gain. Turn my eyes away from worthless things. Preserve my life according to your word. Fulfill your promises to your servants so that you may be feared. Take away the disgrace I dread, for your laws are good. How I long for your precepts and your righteousness. Preserve my life. Let's go over to verse uh, 99. We're going to read to 105. It says, I have more insight than all my teachers, for I meditate on your statues. I have more understanding than the elders, for I obey your precepts. I have kept my feet from every evil path, so that I might obey your word. I have not departed from your laws, for you yourself have taught me. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. 
I gain understanding from your precepts. Therefore, I hate every wrong path. Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. And see, now as I was reading all of these scriptures that just really pour out, David pour out his heart to the Lord. And I noticed that the Holy Spirit uses the power of the word to save souls and then to give them spiritual strength to actually be mature soldiers, to not be on the milk of the word all the time, to get the meat and potatoes of the word, to be mature soldiers for the Lord and fighting this corrupt and evil world that we live in. And the more we know and the more we understand the word of God, the more useful we will be in doing the will of God. And then the more effective we will be standing against the enemy of our souls. And so we're going to take a quick break right here. And after that, we're going to say, well, how did Jesus face temptations? So we'll be right back after this. Hey, everyone. I just wanted to take a quick minute and tell you about my page, Patreon. It's a platform for content creators like myself to earn an income based on the subscribers such as you yourselves. As a subscriber, you'll receive perks for supporting my content, such as a shout out of your own website on my podcast. You can also be in the know to all of my pre-orders on my future book releases and special discounted prices on those books. So hey, please consider supporting me with a cup of coffee at www.patreon.com forward slash busy believer. And I'll be sure to put the link below in the description. Thanks again for listening. So what did Jesus do when he was confronted with temptation? How did the word of God help him? You know, Jesus demonstrated the use of scripture during his desert temptation as we read in Luke chapter 4, and you can read that from chapter 4 on. But I, what I noticed is that each time Satan was tempted by Jesus, he responded with the truth of scripture. He always used scripture. And guess what? Satan had to flee, bow down, and it was like there was no longer any test that like, like when I mean like Satan coming in and saying, you know, jump, the angels will catch you. And after Jesus's rebuttal to him, it wasn't like Satan came back and goes, well, you know, um, let's just discuss this here. Satan had to leave because of the power of the word of God. So what is God saying about this sword of the spirit? See, he knew that the enemy that is a spirit that cannot be fought in the spirit or in the physical realm. His creation needed armor and weapons to fight him. The sword of the spirit, the word of God is the number one weapon of choice 
that the Lord, it was like, he didn't lay them all out and says, okay, you know, um, John or Bill, pick your weapon. That's your weapon of choice. No, he said, this is the weapon. This will defeat. This will defend. This will put you on offense. This will put you on defense. And not only will it do that, but it has a winning record where it is undefeated. So he gave us the best of the best. And when we put it all together, this armor of God, we are held up by the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness that guards our hearts against accusations and all the charges that Satan tries to construe up to come against us. He's the accuser of the brethren. And that breastplate secures our innermost being from all of those attacks. And those shoes that we put on will help us to advance into even Satan's territory to take back what the enemy has taken from us. And it keeps us aware that there will be traps so that we don't step on them. And that shield that can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. No matter what happens, it's our faith that keeps us boldly walking forward. And then there's the sword that speaks of a holiness and a power of the word of God that pierces the darkness and exposes it all. There is no greater spiritual weapon than that. But ah, there are weapons to add to it. See, what I've noticed is that, believers, we are not given a list of specific tactics that Satan will, will, will use on us. As we go through life, that's how we find out, oh, this is an attack of the enemy. We all know that he is the father of all lies. That's one thing that, that the Lord does tell us about Satan. He is a deceiver. He is the father of all lies. And as we grow and grow with the Lord and study his word, we find out as we draw close to the Lord that when something comes against us or tries to come towards us, and it doesn't line up with the word of God, then there we can quickly go, ah, no, that is an attack of the enemy. And you know, the, the scripture reference of Ephesians 6, as we read it throughout this whole series, it's quite clear that when we follow all of the instructions faithfully, we'll be able to stand. And we'll be, have victory regardless of any of Satan's tactics, any of the strategies that he brings up against us. And, you know, as I began to go through other studies, even on my own and go to study groups, I found that more weapons are given to us to fight off the enemy. And you're like, well, what do you mean? What is that? Well, prayer, prayer is one. During the times of doubt or fear, anxiety, anger, confusion, we have the ability to go straight to the Lord. There is no middle man anymore. We can come to the Lord and pray 
and he will answer. He hears the prayers of the righteous, and he answers us. To pray in the Spirit is having the mind of Christ with his heart and his priorities, in addition to wearing this full armor of God that we have learned on this six-week study. We cannot neglect prayer. It is, it is the means by which we draw spiritual strength from God. See, without prayer and without reliance upon God, our efforts at spiritual warfare are empty and they're a f- utter failure. The full armor of God is truth, righteousness, gospel, faith, salvation, the word of God. And then adding to it, even prayer, adding to it, even worship, worship. Satan wants so much to be worshiped. Remember, he wanted to be like God. He wants the worship and to go ahead and to give it to God during those times when we don't have anything to even say in prayer. We don't know what to say in prayer. There's always a backup weapon. The word of God, prayer. Worship. Frustrated, don't know what to say. Fearful, don't know what to say. Can't speak. Worship. Worship the Lord and he will hear it and answer. So I want to encourage you guys to, as we wrap up this whole series, is to remember that the helmet of salvation is to guard The main battlefield, which is our mind. Satan wants to get in there and and give you lies and and feed you thoughts. Oh, you're not really saved. You didn't really feel anything. Why even go to church? You don't have to go to church. You know, all those lies. That's why you put on that helmet of salvation. You go, no, I was bought and delivered by the blood of Jesus Christ. I am now his. And then putting on every piece of the armor and keeping it on until we actually see the son of God descending on a cloud to come get us. Then and only then will we be able to take off the armor and be relieved of our duty. And to be able to go, there's now peace. We don't have to worry about fighting anymore. The Lord will take care of Satan. He'll lock him up forever. And we will be forever with the Lord. And so, as we wrap up this series, guys, I hope and pray that you were able to understand what each and every piece of the armor of God means and to even remove one the detrimental dangers of removing it for a moment is like a soldier walking out into a minefield in his bare feet or with no helmet on or with no breastplate or that flak jacket that we talked about and just going out there on a whim and just say, hmm, well, it's 50-50 shot that I make it. More like 99%, you're not going to make it. It's the same with the believer. I mean, you don't have time to, to read because you have family life or you're late to work. 
No, listen to the word of God as you're doing your bathroom duties if you have to. Put your headphones on. Listen to the word of God. If you're able to listen to the word of God at work, do it. Stay fully armored. Memorize a favorite scripture. What scripture fully impacts you? What grabs your heart? And study that scripture and use that. I know in my office, I have scriptures for anger or fear or frustration. When I don't know what to do, I use those verses and I go grab that card. And I say, you, Lord, have said this. And Micah 7-2 or, you know, Habakkuk 2-4 or 2-2. I read those scriptures and I said, Lord, you said this. And I will stand on the promises that you have given me. And so I challenge you and I urge you at a time like this to put on the full armor of God and to remember, don't walk too proudly because you think that you've got it all together. You're like, well, I don't sin. I don't do that. Or I don't do this because that's where pride comes in and that's where the arrow gets you right in that spot that wasn't guarded. So I hope you enjoyed this series and who knows, who knows what series we'll study next. And so with that, remember, fear not for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. Have a blessed day, everybody. Peace out.